Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me, Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast, and I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, About a week ago, I was sharing with my family about a story that I thought that I had told them before, and they said, Dad, we've never heard that story before, and it was really one of the most profound things that the Lord did in process of leading me to this ministry that I'm doing today. The story happened about 25 years ago, and because of my diminishing memory, I thought that I had shared this, and then, well, I thought maybe I need to do this as a podcast. I think many of you Many of you have heard me say before that my this ministry that we have, the website that I have built, uh, primarily, first of all, is for my children. It's always been that way. These are my devotionals. These are the stories, and this is how I think about God and life. And many years ago, 1994 specifically, the Lord placed on my heart to begin to write so that uh, perchance that my life ends uh, early, earlier than I wanted to end, that my children would know my thoughts and how I think about God, life, and the good and the bad of my life. And so I began writing at that point. It eventually turned into this ministry. And so as I was thinking about this this other story that I was sharing with them a couple of weeks ago, I thought I need to get this in an archive. But also another reason that I want to share with you this story is I just did a podcast titled, What Do You Want? Want to be when you grow up. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes of this episode. This is episode 252. And if you want to read that article, because we do interact with a lot of people who don't know at this point what they want to be when they grow up, even if they are quite grown up by this time, they're still trying to figure out their niche in life. And that's why I did that article. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? But this one is like a, a companion article because this gives you a, a long-form practical illustration of, of if you stay focused and you do some of the things that I'm going to share with you in this podcast, well, it will help you to develop a a life plan that could lead to a very fulfilling life as you land in that niche, that that perfect spot where God has called you, where you're using the gifts that he has given you in a very specific way for his fame, for your for your satisfaction, and for the benefit of many. And so this ministry, like all vocations that any of us have, there's a long trail, and it goes back into our histories. And we just didn't show up here by accident, but there was a very clear path, and you can see it in the rearview mirror. And so many years ago, I I was on this path, and and I had no idea that it was going to lead here, but it it did. And so the story that I shared with my children, it was an encouragement to them, and I trust it will be an encouragement to you. I don't have a lot of show notes here in episode 252. In fact, I'm doing the podcast with no show notes. I have nothing in front of me. I'm just freewheeling it. But as I Uh, as this podcast goes into post, I will start working on the show notes and I'll have some links and things that will serve you, especially those of you who really want to figure out what you need to be doing in life. But I want to give you a little historical snapshot into my life and some of the miraculous things that the Lord did 
uh, and some of the sin that I had to repent of in order to get to this place uh, to where he has me today. And so in 1995, on January the 9th specifically, I started working at BMW. BMW is Bayer Vickschmotorwerk, and they have a uh, a factory here in Greer, South Carolina, which is contiguous to Greenville, South Carolina. And I put, well, let, let, let me back up a little bit more than that as to even how I got on board with BMW. Uh, I was talking to my ex-wife in 1993, in December of 1993. We we're having a conversation about something that I don't remember. And she said, hey, would you, are you interested in this application to BMW? There's a co-worker here. Her husband has the application, but he doesn't want to do it. And so do you want it? Well, I was working third shift at a glue factory at the time. It was a horrific job that I had gotten that job because I was temping. I had connected with three different temp agencies because I was picking up aluminum cans on the side of the road before that. And I had no job. I had no income. I was broke, busted, and whatever horrific descriptor you want to add. And so I, I got this gig at this glue factory for one night. It turned into a second night, and then it turned into a week, and then three weeks, and then six weeks, and then they hired me full time. Well, that's not a long-term career path for for me. And, and so it was during that season that my ex-wife uh, said, hey, do you want this application for BMW, which was just building their factory at that time in 1995. They probably started building in 1993. And so, yeah, I'm working at a glue factory. I will take that job. And so I filled out the application. That was in December of 93. And then in January of 94, they called and they said, hey, uh, we're interested in you, along with a thousand other people, so I'm not that special. Uh, would you like to go through the process? The process was one year, for real. I went through a whole lot of testing for one year, exactly. And then January the 9th, 1995, I entered BMW as associate number 637. And oh my goodness, I was rolling in the dough. I was making so much money. I was making $12 an hour. And so I went from picking up aluminum cans on the side of the road, getting uh, pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters out of these machines for my cans. It takes 24 aluminum cans to make a pound, if you want to know that. Uh, went from that to $12 an hour. And so I worked at BMW, and I, I worked hard, did my business, uh, but it was a hard job. It was production line. It was monotonous work, and I began to complain about my job. I didn't like it. I found no pleasure in it. I was trying to reconcile my job with the fact that I had a, a degree in theology and a degree in Christian education, and here I am on the production line. And so I did what any good Christian would do. I started complaining about my job. I became a grumbler. BMW also means Bubba makes wheels, and it also means blank moan and whine and you can probably figure out the b in bmw and so i was moaning and whining and god began to convict me of my sin i was leaning into the back of a z3 at that point i worked on part of the production line where uh, we had to do some things in the trunk of, of all the automobiles that came down the line. And I was leaning in, into the back of the, drunk, uh, in the 
the truck, not drunk. And I was complaining, just really complaining about my job. I just disliked it so much. And God began to convict me. And he said, why don't you just look up and look around? And that's what I believe God was impressing me to do. And so I got out of the trunk, and I I was leaning into it. I was not fully in it. And I, I pulled out of the trunk, and I looked around at the production floor. There were about 2,000 associates at that time, and it is as though the Lord said there are there are 5,000 here, not counting the women and the children. Uh, that is a reference to the feeding of the 5,000, which could have been 15,000 people, as some people, as some people estimate. Well, there were 2,000 associates, and it was as though the Lord was saying that there are 2,000 people here, not counting the women and children, meaning not counting their spouses, their children, their parents, their grandparents. It's like, Rick, you could, instead of complaining about the job that you have, you can actually potentially impact a lot of people. People, not just the 2,000 associates that work at this factory, but all the people who are associated with these associates that work at this factory. Potentially, you could just impact thousands upon thousands of people if you would stop whining and focus more on what I've called you to do, which is go and make disciples and spread the gospel. And so I repented of my sin. I had heard of a Bible study that some folks were conducting uh, during lunch uh, at BMW, and I I knew about it, though I had never attended, and so I found out where they were during lunch, and I went the next day, and I hung out at the Bible study, and it became apparent that the folks at the Bible study were, they were not, they were not trained in the Bible, I'll just put it that way, and so I eventually started commenting Uh, Within a few days and then uh, within a couple of weeks, I was pretty much leading the Bible study at BMW, and so I went from complaining in the trunk to leading a Bible study. And then I got the bright idea that, you know, BMW is a large plant floor, and there were three at that time. There were three departments. There was assembly, where they put all the parts on the car. There was body body shop where they weld it together. There was paint shop, and so it goes from body shop to paint shop to assembly. We are the final step in the process, and so it's a very large factory, and it would take people a while to get to this Bible study. And so I I took some graft paper, and I drew out on the paper the plant floor, and I figured out Uh, how far a person would have to walk if they walked five minutes to get to a Bible study, and I ended up sketching out 11 spots on the plant floor where we could have 11 Bible studies so that no no, regardless of where anyone was in that plant, body shop, paint shop, assembly, that they could get to a Bible study. And so then I began to uh, work out a plan to, to start doing 11 Bible studies, which was going to take some time. And so I started a second Bible study. And so there were people coming to the first one on one day a week, and then somebody, uh, another group coming to another one on another day of the week. We had them uh, once a week is what we were, what we were having them. And so the plan was to do nine more. 
And so during that time, I also thought that, uh, you know, there are people who are out sick, there are things that are happening to them, and so I can start making hospital visits. And so I started doing that as well. I would find out, you know, if something had happened to someone. I remember this lady named Bunny. Uh, actually, she came in with me. Her associate number was probably something like 635. Her last name was Richardson. I'll say that. Uh, she actually died a number of years ago, but she came in with me, and we kind of struck it off there during our uh, introduction meetings, and so I just always remembered her, but she was in an automobile accident, and so I went and visited her in the hospital. She did not know the Lord, by the way, and I don't know if she became a believer or not at any point after that, and so I started making hospital visits in addition to the two Bible studies that I was running, and then... uh, this particular year, and I don't remember the year, it might have been around 1996, possibly 97, but I don't really remember. But there is a family in our little town here called Greer, and they uh, are foster parents, uh, but not just a, not just any kids that they would take. They would take kids who were disabled. For example, they had one child that uh, is failure to thrive, which basically means the child can't grow. And so this child was 17 years old and still in a bassinet. Those are the kinds of kids that they would take on, and they could have anywhere from 15 to 25 kids at any point in time. We visited with them with another ministry that I was part of outside of BMW, so I knew about this family. And so I began to share with uh, some of the associates about this family, and and somebody in the Bible study, don't remember who, said, you know, well, let's do something for Christmas for this family. And so I started praying. I said, Lord, could we raise some money for this family? And and so we just put it out there to the associates. And within a few days, we had $500. It came rather quickly. And I thought, well, uh, I'm not praying right uh, because that was way too easy. And so I, I said, Lord, can we have more? And and so then we had seven, $750, and so I'm still not praying right. And so, Lord, can we have more? Well, it eventually went over $1,000. I don't remember the exact amount now, but uh, what we did is we made one of them large paper checks and and had it written out there, and whatever the amount was, it was well over $1,000. And then the associates started bringing toys and stuffed animals of every kind uh, to BMW, and we started collecting them, and then we just had just a big, big pile of toys and stuffed animals. And then another associate came and said, hey, I know somebody with Channel 4, a local television uh, station here in Greenville, South Carolina, and they maybe they'll do a story about this. And so they went and talked to Channel 4. <laughs> and uh, Channel 4, uh, they said, sure, we won't do a story about this. It's a person... Uh, a personal interest story. Well, yeah, let's 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 do it. And then Channel Seven, another TV station here in Greenville, uh, South Carolina, they caught wind of it. They didn't want to be out scooped, and so they they said we won't be part of this too. And then the Greenville News wanted to be part of it, and then the uh, Greer Gazette, I think that may be the name of it, or the Citizen or something. I don't read the newspaper. But the Greer newspaper wanted to be part of it as well, and so now it just started picking up this momentum. And so the day that we we went and 
and there were, I would say, you know, maybe 20, 15 to 20 uh, Z3s all in a line with associates, and all these vehicles were full of toys and stuffed animals. It was so glorious. And, and we, we drove from the plant to uh, this family's house, and they had a heads up. They knew that we were coming. And so when we drove up into the yard and all these Z3s with bears hanging out the windows and uh, Channel 4 was on the porch and Channel 7 was on the porch and, and they were filming and the newspaper people were there and we got out and we had our big old check. Lucia was with me as well. And there may have been some other spouses there uh, to the associates also. And so we pulled all that stuff out and just had a party, uh, had, a, had a good old time. And so that began to happen. And then I got the bright idea that, uh, man, this is really going well. And so I'm just going to write out a proposal, and maybe they will let me be the corporate chaplain here at BMW. And so I wrote out a 12-page proposal, which is probably too long uh, for that. But anyhow, I sent it to uh, HR, and then within a few days, I was in HR, and we were having a a meeting, and they rejected me as far as the corporate chaplain. And and they said the reason they rejected me is because they said, well, if we let you do this, then we'll have to let the atheist and everybody else, you know, do whatever they want to do. This was like my first introduction to political correctness. Uh, but it was the nicest, just one of the nicest rejections that I'd ever had. And then uh, the person that I was talking to in HR, he leaned into me and and he said, but we don't want you to stop what you're doing. True story. And so we can't let you do it as far as us putting our a stamp of approval on this, but we don't want you to stop what you're doing. And so I kept on doing what I was doing, but then I got to thinking that, well, this is something here, this proposal that I've I've written out, you know, surely something could could happen with this to this. And and so what I did is I I was taught this ministry, this other ministry that I was working with at the time where I was introduced to this foster family, uh, I gave the proposal to them and I said, could we create something like this? And then he looked at it, and the gentleman that was in charge, and he said, you know, this is really too big for us. We can't uh, we can't do this, but, you know, here's something that uh, you may want to consider. What if you uh, share this proposal uh, with our church? It's the church that uh, I attend now and the church that I attended uh, back then, and so I gave that proposal uh, to our local church. Now, we we had not been there. I don't, we'd only been there a few months, and so we did not have a feel uh, for what was going on at the church and what their needs were. But this person that I gave it to happened to be an elder at the local church, so he had a pretty good idea what the church needed. And so when he read the proposal, it was like too big for his ministry, but he knew that this might be something that is really what our church can need, could do, could use. And so I gave that proposal to the two main guys at our local church, and I didn't know it at the time, but the main teaching pastor read the proposal. He told me later he came moving down the hall swiftly, 
calling loudly to the other lead guy saying, here it is, some version of here it is. This is what we have been looking for. And so within just a few days of that, don't remember the exact timeline, uh, Lucia and I were sitting in front of the elders and they were wanting to know more about us. We were not members of the church at the time. And within a week or two, I was hired uh, part-time to develop a counseling ministry at that local church. This is a true story. That counseling ministry exists today, some 20-something years later. And so what I eventually did, I mean, they paid for me to go to the Master's University in Santa Clarita, California. And so while I worked at BMW, I did the accredited online portion of the Master's University program. I did it in two years. And so I was working with Santa Clarita or the Master's University, uh, working at BMW. I was part-time uh, at our local church, just starting the the beginning stages of a counseling ministry, had no <laughs> absolute no clue what I was doing. Well, that counseling ministry, it began to pick up some traction and and it's doing extremely well today. I left that church, planted a church, a Sovereign Grace Church, which I've talked about in this ministry before, and then 12 years ago or in 20. Uh, 2008, I started this ministry. This is 2020. And so this ministry, again, started from scratch, started from nothing, ex nihilo, and the Lord developed this ministry, and it's going pretty pretty well today, and no real clue as to you know how this thing is going to end up, but it's, it's going well right now. And so I was doing the podcast a while ago, Uh, What do you want to be when you grow up? And I talked about some of the principles that I'm sharing with you here, but I'm giving you a practical illustration of how that worked out for me. It all started with me complaining, whining, grumbling in the back of a truck of a Z3. It may have been one of their sedans, but I think it was a a Z3. And I was whining about my job. I just really, I disliked my job so much. It was just, it was just a very difficult job, and it brought no joy to me. And God, just God rebuked me for it, and said, "Hey, uh, you need to repent, but not just repent by saying, will you forgive me for my complaining? You need to look up. You need to look out into the fields.'" or the field, a specific field, the BMW field. And so I did, and I saw that there were a lot of people that just did not know the Lord. And rather than being so self-interested or self-focused and just focused on myself and my problems, uh, I began to think about other people and had no clue that when I stepped out of that trunk that I would be doing a podcast in 2020 sharing this story and all the things that the Lord has done since that time in that trunk to this day, including starting the counseling ministry at our current local church. And it's just a phenomenal thing. And I want you to find encouragement in this. If you are stuck and you just don't know what God, what you want to be when you grow up. You don't know what God wants to do with your life. Uh, well, 
If we can help you with that, please let us know. We do have free community forums on our website. We have private forums as well. I, I like talk about the it seems like I talk about the community forums all the, the time, but we do have private forums. The reason I talk about the community forums is because they're they're free, and I just want you to know that you can come, and there's no catch, there's no hook, there's there's nothing else that we there's nothing we want from you. We just want to serve you, and those those are free, and they're provided for you by folks who support the ministry. Now, those who do support the ministry, they are the ones that have access to the private forum. But I don't want you to support our ministry. I don't want you to get on the private forum. I, I want you to get help. That's the main thing. If you want to support us, support us. Fantastic. That would be great. That will help us. That's what makes all this free. But the main thing is that we do want to help you. And many of you are stuck in this context. I'm talking about being vocationally stuck stuck. You're just in this this thing, and you just don't know what to, in this rut job, and you don't know what to do. Well, one thing, if you are complaining, you need to stop it. You need to repent. Uh, you need to stop complaining. You need to stop whining, stop moaning about what you have, and you begin need to begin to develop a heart of gratitude for the life that you do have. And then you need to be need to ask God, how how can He use you for for His fame, for your satisfaction, for the benefit of other people? There are some things to do, and I'm not saying that the thing you do is going to be your vocation. I started a Bible study, or not, I didn't start one. I, I jumped into one, and then I began to lead it. That was not a life vocation, but it was the next thing. It was something better than complaining in a truck. And, and so all you can do is the next thing. And if the next thing is for you to stop complaining, stop complaining. And then once you do that, or as you are doing that, step into the next thing. The next thing may be doing something at your local church. Reach out to your pastor, your small group leader, whoever, the person, your contact person that you know at your local church. Maybe it can be someone at your work, like what I did uh, with the Bible study. But as you do, as you stop complaining, as you're doing that, step into the next thing. Who knows? Only God knows. But you don't have to know. In fact, it's important that you don't know. Because if you do know, if, if I did know that it would lead to where I am today, well, I mean, that would have been nice, but it, it also would have just totally obliterated the faith factor. God wants you to live by faith, and so he wants you to do the next thing that's in front of you, and he's not going to tell you about all the other things that are out there, but if you'll take that first step, there will be a second, and there'll be a third, and then someday, maybe 25 years from now, as I am doing at this moment, you'll be able to share all that God has done and so I trust that story is an encouragement to you. I shared it with my children, and uh, it benefited them. It was an encouragement to them, and I thought, well, I need, to, I need to put this in audio because I know that there are people that are struggling out there just uh, kind of piddling through life and they don't have a clear direction and, and not sure. And that's why I make my appeal to you that 
If we can help you in this process, please let us know. Kimberly wrote in and she said, I have been considering doing the Mastermind course for a few years now, but life happens and then I keep coming back to it. My husband and I both feel that this may be the right time for me to jump in. I have gone through the checklist on the site and I'm still interested. (laughs) Good. Uh, I'm unsure of what the next steps are. There are no next steps except to jump into Mastermind program. And so there are several steps that you have taken, and I commend you for them, Uh, Kimberly. The first step, or one of the first steps, is uh, to go to our free informational link that really lays out uh, what our Mastermind course is about. And you need to listen to all the podcasts, read all the information, watch all the videos, because we want... We want our students to come in with their eyes wide open. We do not want to hide the ball when it comes to our mastermind program because it's just too important, and we're looking for people who really believe God wants them to be here. We don't want people to just be thinking about it or just half-hearted or unsure. They won't try it. I'll try it for a little bit and see how it goes. No, we don't want those people. We want people who believe they should be here. And so the first step is, as you did, read the information, listen to the information, watch the information, consume it all. And then the second thing, you talk to your husband. And if you're married, yes, uh, you need to do that. Talk to your wife. Talk to your husband. If you're not married, please talk to someone. Show them uh, the information that you are reading and make sure you get that input. And then with that input and the information, and you believe this is what you should do, well, the next step is to say, I'm ready to go. And just send us an email and say, I'm ready to go. I've done uh, the preliminary information. And so what do I do? And we'll get you connected uh, immediately. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.